for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is October 18, 2022, and today's guest is Chris Wiest. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today is a good podcast. It's actually a podcast that uh, I recorded back in late September, and I've just had so much content ready to roll out that I'm finally able to roll this episode out, but it still applies because we're talking about tunnel vision in season, how you get tunnel vision in season, and it might alter with some of your direction and how to think and what you're doing because my whole thing is, in season, and I think a lot of other guys and gals are this way, is when you get in season and you have a plan and then things might derail from that plan and then you're like, oh my God, like what do I do? You know what I mean? So it's like we're talking about how to stay on the straight and narrow and how to fight through those other thoughts or keep a clear level head and, and good mental state in season because you, you think so clearly outside of season but when when october 1st hits or whenever your opener hits it seems like your your thoughts get all jumbled so chris weist is from pa and we discussed that today and he actually after right after right before we recorded this episode he killed a good buck in maryland and actually since then he's killed another slammer buck um and we might even do another podcast on that so this dude is is a straight up killer but uh he is knows his way around the woods and uh, it's a really good conversation. So I'm just going to preempt it with that. Uh, let's get into some partners real quick here. Uh, Helix Broadheads. If you guys want to check these out, you know, go to helixbroadheads.com. Use the code FALLHX10 to save some money. I will tell you guys when I shot my buck last week, it went 43 yards and it was unreal. It, 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 I shot the deer through the front shoulder and it took out his heart and then it, it buried in the ground eight inches behind and there was not a nick, a burr, nothing in the broadhead. Nothing was bent, nothing. It was perfectly fine and I can use it again if I would like. So these things are awesome. (laughs) You know, in the four deer I've killed with it, three out of the four have literally ran less than 55 yards and piled up right there. So the other one was my fault. It was a bad, bad shot placement. So I can't say enough about these broadheads, man. It's uh, They are workhorses. They work for you. I had great blood. Uh, I had the best blood trail I actually have had with these these heads on this one, and um, it's it's been awesome. It's, it's, it's good knowing you have confidence, complete confidence in your gear. So check those out at helixbroadheads.com. Next is Latitude Outdoors. 
I have a code if you guys want to get into a saddle, and it is the fall podcast, all one word, all lowercase. Check those out for any accessories, any classic two saddles that you want. That code will work. So use the fall pot, the fall podcast, all one word, lowercase. Check them out at latitudeoutdoors.com. Next is Exodus Trail Cams. I mean, in my opinion, these things are top tier, man, and they have a five year warranty. They have great customer service. Go get yourself a render at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Next, another thing. Talk about confidence in your gear. Vector arrows, man. Vectorcustomshop.com. Check these things out. Literally, probably the best arrows I've ever shot. And that's, you know, a lot of people might be thinking that's a bold statement, but I'm I'm gonna I'm here to tell you these things are awesome. And I shot, you know, my buck with them last week, and this arrow is completely fine. Right through the front shoulder, everything, nothing is hurt on this thing. I'll clean it up. It still spins good. And I might shoot it again, honestly. So these arrows are awesome. They are, <laughs> I don't know what else to say, honestly. I want you guys to go check them out. And if you want to buy some, use the code FALL10 at VectorCustomShop.com. <coughs> Excuse me. And last but certainly not least, Garmin bow sights and watches. I've had some recent people reach out to me and want to know what Garmin watch I have. I am running the Tactic 7 and uh, I look at the thing every day for the wind, the weather, the barometer, the temperature, the sunset, when it's going to, it'll tell me when the sunset and when the sunrise is. So I know when I need to get up in the morning, get in the stand. Um, and also I have a hunt fish app on it and it tells me, it calculates the G, it, it brings GPS coordinates in and it calculates in my area, whether it's a good, uh, uh, best or poor day to hunt. Um, and it gives you top breeding times, secondary breeding times, and where to sit, you know what I mean? Kind of like a moon guide in a way, but it's really cool. So go check those out at Garmin.com. Guys, if you haven't been following along on my other series, the Se- the Season 22, go check those out. I'm putting up real-time sits. Whenever I sit, I do a podcast and I upload it. Check those out. I think it's going over pretty well. If you guys have been listening to it and you like it, hit me up. Let me know what you guys think about it because um, I, I need your feedback. I Hopefully people like I don't want to just be de- beating a dead horse here and, and people not liking it or anything like that. So let me know what I could do differently or if you just like it and you just, you know, you want it to stay the same. So thank you guys very much. And always go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review, and also go to Spotify and do the same thing. So here's this interview with Chris. Hopefully you guys enjoy it. And uh, yeah, here's this interview. All right. Welcome back to another episode of the Fall Podcast. And today I've got a Pennsylvania native, Chris Wiest. I said it right, didn't I? Yeah, you did. Oh, yeah, good. you're good. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Chris Wiest on the podcast with me. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Just having to be here, and uh, hopefully it's a good podcast and spread some information for everybody else. Heck yeah, man. I mean, we're recording this today. It is September 27th, but I mean, I don't know about you out in PA, but like here in Michigan, it is cold. It is, the leaves are changing. The beans are changing. Like The crops are coming off. Like. Dude, I am like super jacked right now to get into the timber. <laughs> no, absolutely. Same here. That's good. I uh, spend about every waking moment I have in my free time in the timber getting ready for it. So, yep. got to be excited for that. Heck yeah, man. Well, you, you're already on the board. You've already killed a good buck in Maryland, which you just hit me up yesterday about. And I'm like, shit, we got to hit on that a little bit today too. So, congratulations, first and foremost. Yeah, appreciate it. I guess, you know, the biggest thing I want to get into today, and you and I kind of talked a little bit off record, was, you know, the tunnel vision that guys and gals might get in season. It's like, you know, you you get so hyped, you know, for season, and once you get into season, once something, like, goes awry from the plan that you had thought out in your head, it's like jumbled mess sometimes, you know what I mean? And um, you know, out of season, it's like, you're thinking really clearly, you, you know, you're, you're going over all the details. So I want to, I want to talk a little bit about today, your October, you know, scouting in season, and it might give those guys or girls, whoever might be in season, like a little bit more on the straight and narrow of like, okay, yeah, no, I got to do that. Like, that's a good idea. I should probably do that as well. So I want to get into that today a little bit, but first and foremost, for people that don't know who you are. Hit us up. Tell us who you are, where you're from, what you do for a living, and what makes you tick, basically. Yeah. 
Um, my name is Chris Weiss. I'm 27 years old. I'm from West Central Pennsylvania. Uh, I welded for about eight years, and now I'm a machinist. I just made that change not too long ago, and uh, been hunting with my dad ever since I was a little kid. I'm pretty sure uh, he used to tell me he used to carry me in his coat when I was a baby, so I've been in it pretty early. But uh, just watching my dad take deer, and he'd always, you know, take me to take me to his harvests and show me his deer that he killed with his bow and everything, and then getting me started early when I was like. 11, 12 years old by myself. I just, I just loved every second of it. I've been hooked ever since. That's awesome, man. You know, and I, this is the first time me meeting you and, and everything, but I've, I've, you know, better for a lack of a better term, I've, I've, you know, Instagram stalked you and stuff like that, just to kind of see who you are and what you do and, and how involved you are in the outdoors and everything, man, you've over the years, you've, you've been able to get on some absolute giants in PA and other states as well. Like, tell me a little bit about that. Like, when did things for you, I mean, it looks like it's clicking for you. Like, you've you got a knack for this. So, tell, I mean, let me in a little secret here. Like, when did it start clicking for you when things started, like, falling into place of, like, man, I, I, I can do this pretty decent. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, well, for a lack of judgment, you get to, like, when you're young, you know, it's, I threw out my first buck with my bow when I was 16. And uh, they just took a lot of uh, mistakes and everything to get back on track to where I am now. But I uh, just a lot of boots on the ground, man. Um, scouted a lot. And uh, Shit, I'm sorry, man. Oh, I you're had, no, you're good. I had somebody come up to my front door. What's that? I had someone come to my front door. Oh, you're good. <laughs> no, you're fine. I can cut it all out, so don't worry about it. <laughs> okay, no, it was just it was just my stepmom. She's good. She's dropping something off. I got you. Yeah, just start back of you know, at, basically restart the question, answering the question of what I said. Like, you know, what what uh, hell? What did I even say? Oh yeah, how when did things start you know clicking for you and like you you know getting getting things right, killing some deer, laying them down, stuff like that. Okay, yeah, no, uh, so I shot my first buck when I was sixteen with my bow, and I wasn't too picky throughout the years. Uh, I just enjoyed bow hunting, and it took me a long time to actually get good with my bow. I probably missed a lot more deer than I would like to admit to, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's probably like my late teens, early twenties, you know, you see all these guys on TV shooting these big bucks and PA, you know, for a while there, it was really hard to get on big bucks and stuff like that. So I was never too picky, but as time went on, you know, every once in a while we'd pick these big bucks up on camera and it just, it got to me that like, how, how are we not seeing killing these bucks? Like, what are they doing? They show up here and then they leave. And then I eventually just kind of, I definitely locked on to one or two just good bucks and once I killed that first good one, man, it was like, it just did something to me. You know, I wanted to figure out these bucks and find out what, what they were doing, where they were staying. And then I started listening to more podcasts and things like that. So I would say the, the last five years, I've been like way, I took everything one or two steps forward. I've I got been way, you. More, way more serious about it. And it literally just, it drives me nuts if I can't get on a buck. Like I will spend every waking moment that I have in my free time, if there's a buck in this area, I know he's big and I know he's old and I don't know what he's doing. It'll drive me completely insane. And I'll have to go find out what he's doing, where he's staying, where his bed's at, all that stuff. Yep. Yep. So I guess with that being said, are you a, a public land guy, private land guy or both? Like where do you dabble? I used to hold a lot of permission, but it seems like nowadays everybody's so worried about the liability thing. I lost almost all of my permission ground. And, uh, I can't even say that I killed my best bucks on, on permission or private. Um, 95% I'm a public guy. Okay. We have, we have a home farm here. That's like 150 acres or so, but I mean, I plant food plots and things like that for the deer, but to be honest, we really just kind of try to keep it here for like a sanctuary, just kind of let the deer do their thing. We don't really even hunt it. Mm -hmm. I got you. You know, and to kind of go back a little bit to when you said, you know, when I, when I killed that first buck, like that first good buck 
things really started like falling into place. Isn't that crazy how that happens? Like that, that was kind of how it happened with me as well. Like, I think it's whether we believe it or not, I think it's a confidence thing. Like, I think it gives you more confidence to like, like you're validating to yourself that you can do this. Like, wow. Like I, you know, luck had something to do with it possibly, but it's like, I put, I did the work. I put myself into this position and this is what should have happened. And just to see that it's like, I don't want to say you almost become like, uh, you know, invisible, you know what I mean? But if that makes sense, but it's like you're, you walk around with a chip on your shoulder, you know what I mean? Like you, you want to, you want to act like you've been there, you know, and to have that chip, we always talk about, you know, you talked about how playing high school sports and everything off record. It's like, I go back to stuff like that, like have a little chip on your shoulder, you know what I mean? Have confidence. And that's all that's, that's being, is that something with you? Like when you, when you shot that deer, was it like a confidence thing or in, in just like kind of snowballed from there? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Once you put an air in your first good buck, you, I feel like you're a lot more confident and uh, definitely going to set a different tone, you know, come going forward. And, you know, you look back at how you were set up, why the buck did what he did. And you can relate that to future hunts. You know, maybe I can get on better, bigger deer than him using these same, same setups. Yeah, for sure. And you know, that's, that's what I think a lot of, that's a, a trend I see with a lot of guys that I interview or, or talk to is like, you know, trying to implement things that's worked for them in the past and finding that copy and paste for another scenario. You know what I mean? Like, Oh man, I killed this buck in 2015 and he did this because of the food and, and everything right here. And it was out of a Northwest wind, like trying to find that with the train and everything. Like I never really thought of it that way, but a lot of guys, the successful guys are really into like, Oh man, I need to copy and paste that scenario into my scenario now. And just kind of, you know, it, it's, 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 it's basically working out to be like the same scenario. So like they really want to go after that because they know that that worked is in, I mean, I think that makes sense. It makes sense to me anyway. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. I think it's important to try to replicate those, those scenarios and those setups. But, uh, I definitely like from that deer that I shot, I've trended to different things. You know, I try not to be a one trick pony. I don't want to kill deer just one way. For sure. Now, what would you say would be your favorite time to hunt of the year? Is it the rut, early season, middle October, late season? Like, when are you more successful? Oh, man, I've cut them all across the board. Uh, I'm trying to think. I, I killed my uh, my biggest buck last year. I killed him the last week of archery, and that was the hardest deer I ever heard in my life. I hunted him 70 sits. Um morning and after between morning and afternoons i had 70 sits in before i killed him that's nuts dude how many times did you see him in that time three three times three times did you get a lot of trail cam pictures of him? i know you're a trail cam guy so did you get a lot of pictures and intel on him through that whole process yeah yeah i had, I had a bunch of pictures but man that deer was just something different he had a different personality he wasn't aggressive he he uh didn't worry about other bucks. He just, all he worried about was surviving. He wouldn't walk past the same trail camera twice. I uh, would, you know, I, at one point that buck was hunting me. Uh, <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I had this conversation with one of my buddies. I'm like, Hey man, I, you know, I've been having been walking the same path and hunt this buck. And I said, you know, he's just not doing what I need him to do. And I can't figure out. He goes, he goes, do you walk that same trail every day? I said, yeah. He said, put a camera on that trail. I said, all right. So I put a camera up on that trail. I walked in, put the camera up, walked to my spot, hunted for the morning, come back out. I went in like two days later. That buck was coming in after I'd walked in, cutting my trail, and then walking the other direction. Jeez. So, so <laughs> when you get that intel, what kind of head game is that for you? Oh, man. I at one point, like that last week, I was just about to like give up because I mean, it was the, you know, the last five days of season until, you know, rifles not too far around the corner and my neighbors were hunting this deer too. So I just kind of figured that last week was my last shot and that was it. Wow. How did you end up killing him? Like what was the scenario? Uh, I killed him on a Monday. 
Sunday night, it uh, rained really hard. And I went in to this spot uh, after lunchtime and snuck in. It was like 20-mile-hour winds that day. And I snuck down over the side of this steep, got down to a bench where I just know that there's always good deer in there and good deer movement. They like to get up in the middle of the day and they browse up and down this bench system. And I got up in the tree and I had I had probably 10 does come in and they were just milling around. And then I had these like two small bucks come running in and start chasing them around. Well, here, I mean, I will say this probably had a little bit of luck involved. I knew this deer was in this area, but I had no idea I got this close to him. So I think what happened was I actually snuck in on this deer. I got up in the tree and he was only 50, 60 yards from me and neither of us knew it. Wow. And I think what happened is he was in his bed and he's seen those small bucks chasing those does around and he just got up and come down to chase him off. So his attention was completely off of anything but those deer. And the wind, I'm telling you, dude, the wind was so close. Like, he was 16 yards wind blowing between us. It was blowing up the mountain and just off to the side. And it looked literally dead between the tree and him is where the wind was blowing. Just wow. that off wind. And uh, he had his, you know, his head was just facing towards the action going on below him. And I just, I took my opportunity, walked right by the tree 16 yards. Hmm. That's crazy, man. What time of day was that? Two o'clock in the afternoon. So you're, I mean, you're kind of flirting with that midday because, or no, you would be because it was still in October, wasn't it? Latter part of October? No, that was in November. Oh, I'm sorry. November. Okay. So yeah. November 15th. Yep. So you're looking, yeah, you're, I mean, closing time is what? Probably six o'clock, six thirty, probably around that time. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, but you're still in that that midday time, you know, and you didn't, you said you didn't hunt that morning. You went in mid morning. Is that what it was? Uh, I think I did hunt that morning. I'm trying to think back, you know, that was last year. Uh, I think I did hunt that morning. I probably hunted the morning and checked a couple of cameras and then just got a game plan for the afternoon. Yeah. But you know, having that Intel, knowing that deers in the areas is, is huge because, you know, and, and you're, you, the way it made you sound is you're going off past history as well. Like you knew that bench was down there and you knew it, there was in the past, there's been good bucks, you know, using that, like you just, it does take some luck. I mean, hunting is a large part oh, of absolutely. luck as well. I would rather, I would rather be lucky than good any day. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> at the right place at the right time, that's kind of what happened right there. You know what I mean? It's like, and that spot kind of has some, like, some sentimental value. Uh, I've, I've killed a handful of good bucks in that spot, but there's a sort family farm here. My, I actually live in my pap's house since he's passed on our family farm. And uh, my dad always told me that my pap told him that if he wanted to kill a big buck to go to the big pine. And there's just one random huge pine tree up on that mountain on that bench, and that's where I killed him at. Wow, dude. That's uh, so no, it's, cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I live in my pap's house, and now I got that big buck hanging on his wall and a spot that he used to kill bucks into, so I thought it was pretty cool. That's freaking awesome, man. That's such a cool story. <laughs> That's crazy. How big was the deer? He, uh, I, I did have him officially scored. He come out to 157 and 38. <laughs> what a brute. Wow. Now, I can't imagine, and you could be, tell me I'm completely wrong, please, but I can't imagine you're probably getting 160-inch deer on camera every year in your area, are you? No, he's he's the biggest that I've ever seen here. We yeah. have taken some good ones. My dad's taken three good ones, uh, a 133, a 136, and a 142. Damn. But that, that's over since 2014. So, that's, I mean, that's a pretty that's good track eight. record. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Eight years. Eight yeah. years we've taken four big ones. I mean, I would I would take that stat. If I knew in the next eight years I could have that stat, I'd I'd take it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just crazy because like I don't even know where that gene pool comes from out of this buck. You know, I don't know if you know a buck just trolled from miles away and bred a doe over here and that's how it happened or what. You know, I've never seen a buck that had just his style rack and such perfect points and everything like he did. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. For sure, man. That's that's so cool. Um, usually, usually once you get you know a gene pool in an area, you know that's what you have to hunt, basically. Right. Yep. It, now, was that that was on public or your piece of private then? Nope, that was public. Okay. Okay. Gosh, that's a stud, dude. Anywhere, I don't care where you go. Like, oh, uh, that's a stud anywhere, man. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So let's transition a little bit here. I want to get into this tunnel vision theory method that I have, and it could be literally just me. And when I get into the season, this is what happens to me. But I think there's a lot of people out there that might be thinking the same thing. But, um, you know, I want to throw a hypothetical out there for you. Okay. So we're coming into October here and let's say we're in October and, uh, you know, maybe you had some shooters on camera and they've disappeared or maybe you're just trying to find a buck that you just, you know, you're just lucking out one thing or another. You, you know, you just can't get on one. What is, what is the detail and the scouting and everything look like, look like in October, what are you doing to try to find one? And then once you find one, what, what are you doing to get on him? Well, around here, if I'm doing it around my house, I'm going to go off historical information. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, it's, it's kind of the same in the same gesture. Um, if I have a buck on camera and I lose track of him, I think the first thing I want to do is the direction. Like if I have camera, uh, trail cam pictures of him, whatever direction he's coming from or going to, one of those two directions, I'm going to look for cover. And I'm, I'm going to look for uh, security cover, bedding cover. I'm going to go you know, look, for, look for the sign. I'm always looking for sign no matter what time of the year it is. If it's late September, middle October, late October, I'm always looking for that fresh sign. You know, you can walk through the woods and find rubs from September until November, but a lot of them are dried up and they're not used. So I'm looking right. for that fresh sign. Uh, See, so yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going to probably start uh, throwing up some cameras. I'm going to take a step back from hunting probably and put more boots on the ground. Uh, look for the cover. Look for that sign leading to cover. The scrapes. I'm a huge scrape guy. I love scrapes. If I could find fresh scrapes, you could bet I'll have a camera on it. Uh, just depends on what kind of scrape it is. If it's there's little ones, you know, I'm probably not going to pay much attention to it. But if I find a big one, like a hub scrape, community scrape, I'm definitely going to have a camera on that. And uh, cameras is going to be my main tool. I'm going to be looking for pictures and uh, what time of the day and what what the direction is. And then terrain features is big here in the big woods, benches, points. You know, you're not going to have those nice ridges, things like that here that you do in Ohio. Um, you know, just same as Maryland, it's just big mountain here. So I got to look for uh, up on top here on the mountains, we have uh, bluffs and low spots and things like that. And I'm going to be... Uh, Looking at those low spots where the deer like to cross over. There's a lot of thick laurel and things here. And uh, a lot of that can be confusing. There's huge patches of this uh, buck laurel here. And uh, some of it's like, I mean, five, 600 yards long and wide. So it's not like you can just focus on one little patch and think there's a buck bed in there. And you got to put some, put some boots in that stuff. And it's not fun to walk through. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm going to go back a, a quick step here. Let's say you do throw up cameras. Let's say you get a one picture of a, of a, a shooter buck that you want to go after. Now you said that you're going to see either what way he's coming from or what way he's going. And you're going to basically kind of backtrack. So let's say that you backtrack from where he was going. Maybe it was, uh, you know, an afternoon type setting. He's in daylight and he's coming from a certain direction and this is in October, so you know he might still be on that bed to food kind of deal. So you're thinking he's probably coming from his bedding. Now, when you backtrack, let's say you backtrack and you come up to what you feel is his bedding. How are you breaking that down even farther to kind of really hone in on if this is where he's spending a lot of his time or if this is where does are bedding? Like, what are some things you're looking for? to really hone in on, well, maybe this is where I need to be, or is he even here, do you think? Yeah, so it's probably going to depend if I have more than one picture of him. If it's just a one-time deal, he might just be kind of blundered around. He might mm-hmm. be a roamer. But if he's there more than one time, 
Oh, I'm I'm fairly aggressive. Actually, I'll, I'll take that back. I'm really aggressive because I have a, a ton of ground here. There's over 20,000 acres of game lands here right by my place. And uh, I mean, I'll just I'll be bouncing all over the place so I can kind of have the opportunity to hunt multiple bucks. They might not all be giants, but I'll have an opportunity to get buck throughout the season. So uh, off of that, what I mean by that is I'm, I'm probably going to go in there and try to find his bed one time. I'll take that chance. I'll go find his bed and I'll figure out if, if there's multiple beds, I know it's their bedding. If I can find one big buck bed, I know it's his. I'll take that chance. I'll, I'll go in there and find it one time and I'll backtrack out. I'll have all that stuff marked on my own X and uh, try to figure out a setup. You know, what's I try to figure out what's what's around 80 to 150 yards from his bed. Like, what's that first food source? You know, is there a scrape in that distance? And, uh, you know, where, where's, where's he headed to? Where's his actual destination food source at? So if I can find that bed and I can find the food source and I got him more than, oh, I got him on camera more than one time, you know, I'm probably going to hunt that. I'm going to hunt either that first food source or I'm going to hunt that scrape. I got you. So that makes total sense. But now I'm going to throw a little, another little wrench in the spokes here. Let's say you get to this bedding and you're looking for a beds, but you can't find them. But it's it's clearly bedding. Like you're like it just has got all the makings to be a good bedding area, in your eyes. And you can't find a bed. You can't find nothing like that. Are you just moving a move? Keep moving, or are you maybe throwing a, a hope sit at? It's like the, I like to call them like hope sits. Like, well, I hope he's here, and I'm just gonna try it. Well, I try not to be a hope hunter. <laughs> <laughs> if i get if i get in that stuff if i get in a thick patch and i'm just not seeing the sign and i'm not fine because the first thing you're going to see if, if there's a buck bed in there there's it's going to have it all rubbed up you know there's going to be rubs everywhere if you're spending any kind of time there around a the bed so if there's, if there's no rubs and no bed i'm probably just going to at least mark it on my map and then just move on hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain your feet are carrying the load Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. I got you. And then, you know, you have this scrape here that, let's say there was a scrape there 80 yards from this area where you figured he was betting. But if there's no sign where he's betting, what is that scrape telling you? You know, uh, I guess, I, let me further question. It's kind of a, a, a vague question, but... Is that scrape like, you know, is that a community scrape? Is that just a scrape, you know, laid down after dark where it might be, you know, I don't know. It could be just a communicational thing or just something the deer's coming by and he just like, ah, I'm just going to rough up the ground a little bit here. Like what, what do you, what do you picture in that scrape as then? Well, in my head, just knowing how the land lays out here. So it's, it's, you know, mountain country if i'm on the bottom or on the side or the bottom of it i know if there's a it depends on what kind of scrape it is too if it's a big community scrape then obviously there are deer coming to it from different directions because everything's going to be up from there and if there's thick cover you know we have places here that are five six hundred yards long along this mountain that are thick so they can come from anywhere you know they can make a triangle shape down to that at the point where the uh, scrape would be so I'm going to have a camera on that scrape. And if I have bucks coming to it, I'll hunt it. But uh, as far as like single bed uh, to that scrape, you know, that puts you in a rough scenario. Um, but if I don't find any beds in a piece I'm looking at and there's a scrape there, I'm going to have a camera on it to tell me that, you know, there's everything above you is going to be super thick and you're going to have bucks coming from all different directions. That's just, that's just what I've seen here. Um, a lot of times, even when I am scouting, I, I don't find a lot of beds that a buck will lay in year round or anything like that. You know, it's going to be close. It's going to be within a stretch, 
Um, but there's just so much ground on the upper side and these little thickets and uh, greenbrier patches and stuff, they kind of, they kind of layer themselves out in a stretch along it and then they'll come down in the evenings. So, you know, I, I, that makes total sense because, you know, I'm going to go back a little bit to when you talked about if, if there wasn't any rubs or anything around what you deem should be his bedding or you, you know, you can't find any sign where you, where it should be bedding. Like I'm probably going to keep moving that scrape to me. Honestly, I'm going to keep it in the back of my head, but it's probably not where I need to be, you know? Um, especially if it's like the, what, what I'm kind of picturing my head is just like a scrape out in, you know, some hardwoods There might, there might be some rolling Hills and everything, but if there's not a lot of cover around it, it's, it's a scrape to me that was late after dark, and, you know, it's probably not a social hub, you know, that's, that's kind of what I guess how I would take it. And I would just keep moving. Is that a little bit of what you would do as well? I mean, obviously you said that you were going to, to read the scrape and if it's a big truck hood scrape, well then yeah, maybe throw a camera on it. Um, but what if it isn't, what if it's just, you know, maybe not a community scrape? Are you putting much merit into it? Absolutely not. Nope. It's all situational. I'm trying to visualize, you know, everything we're saying. I'm trying not to talk in circles, but <laughs> no, you're good, dude. You're trying to go off of what I've seen in the past. You know, if it's a small scrape and there's, I can't find a bed and there's no rugs, absolutely not. You know, I'm, I'm keeping trucking, but uh, sure. if it's a giant, like you said, like a truck hood scrape, then I'm definitely going to have a camera monitoring that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you run any cell cams or is it all like SD cams? I do. Uh, I have about 55 cameras right now, but uh, I think. 10 or 11 or cells. I have all of those in Ohio. Okay. I got you. Which just makes sense. Cause it's a little distance away from me. And you want to monitor that, you know, I totally get yeah, that. I just, I just have enough free time here at home that I don't worry about the SD card cameras. Um, I have plenty of time to check them if I want to. And, uh, there are some spots, you know, that I, I should probably have a cell cam that, uh, would be a little better for the intrusion side, but, I think I make up pretty well with how I set everything up. For sure. Now, talking about those cameras coming into October here and even in October, when and how often are, I mean, I guess how often are you checking these cameras and like what time of the days are you checking these cameras? I try, especially like over the summer, I really haven't been checking that often. Um, I really don't have anything spectacular on camera in PA this year just yet. I've been spending most of my time in Ohio this year. Um, I like to at least give cameras two to three weeks before I check them. Even in season? Uh, no, in season I'll check as as needed. Um, especially, you know, if you're kind of falling behind on knowing where there's a buck at and you're trying to find one, you know, I'll, if, if there's an area that I'm really interested in and I want to know if there's a shooter there, I'll probably check that within the week. You know, give him a, give those deer a couple of days to come in and out of uh, wherever I have my camera up. You know, if it's a trail gun in the heavy cover, if it's a scrape, whatever, I try to get all that intel real time. I got you. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, because it's like, that's one thing that I fight with too is like, you know, put up, I run SD cameras as well. I have some cells as well, but it's just like when when do you go in there and check those like or what time or you know you don't want to the intrusion thing you really want to you really want to not have to booger a whole bunch of stuff around and like the it's no secret i mean pas and the michigans and the wisconsin stuff are very high highly pressured so it's like my thought is is if i walk in there and i'm not hunting it i'm taint, i'm i'm tainting the ground you know what i mean it's like yeah. i want it to yeah. be but you need that information i mean that's a conversation i had with jake bush a couple of weeks ago it's like dude like how how do you get away with getting in there and not bumping deer and not worried about bumping deer and he's like well i'd rather have that information than not have that information i need that information i'm like well it totally makes sense you know yeah i think I think bucks will tolerate a little bit more than what people give. And I only say that because of that buck I killed last year, man, that, that deer knew that I was there and it's just like, he didn't care. Yeah. Like he just always had that edge on me. Like he knew what was going on. So 
he kept himself out of danger for a while, but and then uh, when I'm checking these cameras, you know, I work second shift. I get off around midnight. I'll wake up in the morning. I'm usually checking my cameras around that 10, 11, 12 mark in there somewhere in the morning. Okay. Just kind of pay attention to the wind. You know, I don't want to walk right in the checking camera if my wind's blowing right to where I think the deer are. And I think there's certain spots where deer will take more pressure than others. Like, I wouldn't walk 80, you know, 60, 80 yards from their, where they're betting at to check a camera. Mm-hmm. But I'll check a camera 150 yards from the betting, you know, on a food source or a scrape or something like that. Like, I don't worry about that too much. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah, and it's just one of those things, man. I think a lot of people struggle with it, and it's like, you know, they got these head games going. It's like, man, I want that information, but I don't really want to booger any deer. Well, I, I, I think after hearing Jake say it as well, like I, the same way, air on, like I, I need that information. You know, if you don't have it, then how do you make a move or pivot yeah. and, and figure out a game plan, you know? You know, and I hear so many people, and I've done this myself, and I got tired of it. And that's why I'm a really aggressive hunter now. There's just been too many times where I'm like, man, you know, I don't want to set up on this buck too close because if he does come in and I can't shoot him, I want to have a second shot at this spot. Well, guess what? I went in there, I set up on this deer and he, he comes in out of range. I'm like, man, you know, I should have been 30 yards further down where I was going to sit the first time, but I didn't. And if I'd have done that, I'd have killed him right there and been done. So I've, I've actually set up too far off a sign too many times. And I think people are just afraid to just go in and hunt. You know what I mean? Like you, if you want to kill that buck the first time is the time you want to kill him. So I'm, I just get right in there. If I know a buck's doing something in the daylight, you know, he's checking scrape, hitting food. I'm going to be right in there with him. And if he comes in, I'm going to try to kill him. Well said, man. Cause I did it last year and it's easy to fall into that trap. You know, I set up on a hanging hunt out of a whim last year in November, and as I'm, like, getting up in the stand, I, I hung the stand as I'm climbing in. I'm like, man, I need to be about 40 more yards over there. And what happened? A shooter buck walked, it would have walked right 20 yards from that tree. And I'm like, damn it. You know, and I'm, like, 60 yards off, basically. You know, and it's like, but still, you're, man, I, I've been a passive hunter like uh, that's how you know i was a bait hunter that's how i grew up so that's what i knew for the longest time it's like i just wait for the deer to come to you you know what i mean but like it was never a thing back then where it's like no i need to go to the deer like i need to i need to get aggressive it was never that thing so like that 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 little part in my head takes over at sometimes i'm getting a lot better and it shows like I mean, the last, well, since like 2014, I it's, I've killed the biggest deer of my life almost every year. And it just, and it's totally different in how I grew up hunting. You know, I did a podcast, I think it was the one I just put out with my buddy Tyler, I think, um, you know, all the deer on my wall, I were, were first sits in, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, and, and I never thought of it that way until somebody asked me. I'm like, wow, you're right. They are. Like, yep. it's crazy. You know, I got 11 bucks on my wall that all of them were the first sit in. One actually, I think, was like the second sit in. But still, I mean, there's a trend there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's completely different on public ground, too. You know, if, if you're part of like Midwest Whitetail or something and you have all that ground and food plots and stuff, you can be passive there. But on public ground where you got other people, man, like if, if you don't get in and kill that buck, you know, if you get in to spook him, like, well, at least you spooked him trying to kill him, and the guy before you didn't. The right. next guy. Yep. Yeah, man. It's there's there's just I think we just complicate it way too much. You know. Absolutely. And that's one thing. Like, I mean, you're not going to hear me use any kind of fancy terminology on here. I try to keep everything as dummified and as basic and as simple as I can make it. And I just think, you know, you have to keep it basic sometimes and not overthink. I was, I'm the worst overthinker, and I have a buddy just like that. He overthinks everything. I have to tell him, I'm like, dude, like, you just need to go in there and kill him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you need to go in there with your original plan and kill him and be done with it. Yeah, and that's what's good about 
you know, I'm an advocate of having like a small circle of good friends that are positive, like hunting buddies, you know what I mean? And in life in general, but I'm, we're just talking hunting today, but like, I've got a buddy that keeps me on the straight and narrow all the time. And the first person I call is him to be like, Hey man, I'm going to run this scenario by you play devil's advocate and give me everything. I don't want, I don't want you to tell me what I want to hear. Give me everything. And he does. And I'm like, okay, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, and, yep, and, and truth, huh? <laughs> yeah, and you know, and it totally changes the way. Like, I could be down in the dumps or something. It's like shit, northeast wind. It's like, god dang, I want to get in there. You know, call him, and he's like, no, what if you do this, and you know, try this, and you know, you won't bugger it, and and it's just like, wow, yeah, okay, good, we're we're back. You know what I mean? We're back. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have that guy or or couple guys to to be able to lean on like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I, I like that, uh, that little segment there, but I want to, I mean, we're, we're 40 minutes into this already, but I, I, there's a lot of things I want to go over, but I know we're not going to be able to get to that, but something that's, uh, really fresh in mind is the Maryland buck you just killed a couple of days ago. I want to talk about that. I've never had anybody on, I don't think anybody from Maryland and or has killed a deer in Maryland. I want to hear about it, man. Let's, let's, let's get the story. Yeah. Yeah. I started, uh, I started going down there a couple of years ago. Um, I got skunked the first two years of hunted there just because uh, the low deer density, you know, a couple of those years, the, there was so many acorns that it was almost impossible to find a deer because they were just stand up, eating, laying back down. Uh, the second year, you know, I did, I just killed a doe, very few bucks on camera. I kind of gave up on it for a little bit and decided to go back this year and get freshened up for my later trips, like Ohio and stuff, you know, work out the bugs in my mobile setup, my shoot my bow, stuff like that. And uh, I ran a couple cameras down there over the summer. I probably had five or six good bucks on camera for down there. Okay. You know, and a good buck for down there, in my opinion, in the area I'm at, you know, it was around that 115 pushing 20 okay. mark. Yep. And, uh, well, what you know, like four days before season, uh, they all dispersed. <laughs> quit, quit doing what they were doing. You know, I had them to the powder, on the tee, on my cell cam every day. You know, they'd walk by the camera four days before season. They quit showing up. So automatically right off the bat, I had to start, uh, start bouncing around. And, uh, I hunted the first week pretty much every morning. Movement was a little slow. I know the mornings are kind of slow in September, which was expected. But, uh, after about the first week, that next weekend, I just started putting boots on the ground and, uh, what was going on? Well, I did find out that these bucks were actually bedded low on this mountain, and there's a clear cut on the top, and uh, it's probably like a four-year-old clear cut, and they just left a couple of oaks in the middle of it. And I'm talking these trees are out in the wide open. Okay, so the regrowth hasn't, or I mean, it's four years old, so the regrowth is coming up. How big is the regrowth? Um, three, four foot. Okay. Okay. Uh, mostly just brown grass, and then you got like your shrubs and green briars mixed in with it here and there. Um, so these deer were bedded low, and they were coming up in the evening actually, which makes it hard to hunt. It was on a uh, east-facing slope, so you got your leeward side and your predominant winds westerly. So you know, then in your thermals drop in the afternoon, so <laughs> recipe for disaster. Kinda, <laughs> yeah, it was kind of hard to kind of have it made, and there's no access from the bottom. It's highway at the bottom, just straight highway. So I can't come in from the bottom to hunt them in the mornings coming down. So I'm trying to hunt them on the sides, trying to catch deer coming from the top out, and that didn't work. So I started scouting this clear cut harder. And uh, what I noticed with the acorns this year, the reds are falling hard, and the white oaks are very sporadic. And uh, there was just, I mean, imagine this clear cut is, 700 yards long probably okay and it's pro it's probably 200 yards wide now imagine a 700 yard clear cut with like 20 trees in it and that's it that's <laughs> so i started going from tree to tree and i found this just ginormous white oak tree 
that me, you, and five other guys couldn't put our arms around. Really? And uh, I kept an eye on it, and it took until early last week, I think, to where I walked by it, and I could hear the acorns falling, and just the light went off. And I'm like, all right. I was like, I need to get camera on this tree. I walked over to it. It's just pounded with sign. As soon as it started dropping acorns, these deer started pounding this thing. So I left the camera there for probably about three or four days. And I didn't hunt it for a week. I took a week off and just let it sit because I knew we had a cold front coming. Uh, this last Friday, we had that big uh, storm front come through. Yep. And uh, I had to work Friday night. And I said, well, I'm going to go in there and hunt it Saturday morning, just knowing the signs there. And there was a couple of fresh rubs around it. So I know there was bucks, but I didn't know if they were the same ones I had pictures of or not. And uh, Saturday morning, I seen 12 deer, I think. I had uh, 12 deer come up underneath that white oak tree. And to the setup, the setup, I have no idea. Now, I'm six foot four, 290 pounds. So you're, and you're not a small human then. <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> okay. And, and I'm in this freaking little maple tree 30 <laughs> yards 30 yards from this giant white oak it's the only tree that i can get in the closest tree to the white oak I, i've got a i got a picture painted of like just a, a <laughs> tall black bear in the tree <laughs> in the tree just waving <laughs> so i hiked my lone wolf up this tree and get it hung up and there's just i mean like one branch with some cover coming off this thing that's all i got how and high are you? 15 foot, maybe. Okay, so you're trying to stay right next to the cover or whatever, what, what little yeah, cover just, you have? Just high enough to get in with that branch. Yep. And uh, I I don't know if it's because it was just such early season and it hasn't pressured yet, but I have no idea how I was in that tree and did not get spotted one time. Really? I had 12 deer come in, feed under that tree, you know, late in the morning. Uh, on Saturday, I, I ended up shooting a doe and uh, got her packed out. And I, I grabbed the card out of my camera and I got home and plugged it in my laptop. Well, here one of the big bucks was there. Nice eight point at 5.40 a.m. One of the Wait, ones that you were watching this this summer? Yeah. Okay. Yep. He, he's like 115-inch eight, just a nice eight point. So he left this tree at 5.40 in the morning and I got in my stand at 6.10. So I knew that this buck wasn't super far because, I mean, that's only not even an hour before daylight. Right. And I knew the direction he come from. It was a west wind coming over the top that afternoon, and it would be to his back coming to me. He actually bedded on the windward side. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go right back in there and get back in that same tree. And uh, it was pretty slow at first. And I was just about to get out of the tree. It was like that last, oh man, five minutes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just happened to look over and seen a deer standing. He had his head, you know, in some brush, and he picked his head up. I'm like, oh boy. <laughs> and because uh, I was worried that he was gonna come in, I wasn't gonna be able to see my pin or shoot him. Mm -hmm. Like I thought, I thought I was just gonna have to watch him. But he did make a V line for the tree, and uh, I knew it wasn't the big one I had a picture of. But I, I'm pretty much going to be done hunting Maryland now because I'm going to head to Ohio this weekend. So I wasn't going to be super picky. I just knew he was an eight point and he was decent looking. So he, he come in there about uh, about 35 yards or so and uh, got a shot out in there before it got too dark. That's awesome, dude. So when you set up in that tree, were you setting up like on the back side of the tree just to get a little bit more cover? Like how was your setup? Okay, so I actually had two different setups in that tree. The I shot the doe out of my lone wolf, and I had it parallel with the branch. And then in the afternoon when I went in, I had my saddle, and I set up on the backside. Okay. Do, what? Uh, just compare and contrast here. Like, what? What was more conducive? Like, what was the better option for that situation? Because you had the same scenario, you know, with one. And then the other. I don't know if I really have any complaints about either of them. Mm -hmm. um, I think the saddle, you know, allowed for more cover because the tree's in front of me. Uh, I mean, the hang on, I was obviously a little bit more comfortable for me. Right. I, mean, I, like, I like my saddle a lot, but 
I don't think they're big man friendly. <laughs> I, I think, you know, I sit in it for like two and a half hours and I'm, I'm done. Okay. You know, it's, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really got to play with that this year hard. I got some new stuff this year. Um, as far as comfort wise for my saddle. And I just picked up that lone wolf. It's just a, uh, alpha two. It's a little bit on the bigger side, which doesn't bother me that much. Mm-hmm. So let's see at the end of season, I'll have a better, uh, comparison on that. Nice. Well, good deal, man. Explain the buck a little bit. What was he, you know, how many points, how big was he? He just, he's probably just like a hundred inch eight point. Hell yeah, yeah dude. He was, uh, just dark, dark chalk and horns. That was cool. And then, uh, it was real neat. He actually had some velvet left on him hanging off of his right beam about four inches down. It was, it was real dry and real hard. It just never fell off. It's a bonus. Yeah, that was cool. Never yeah. had that before. That's really cool. Have you ever killed a velvet deer at all? Nope. Oh, so there you go. You can say that you're basically in that club now. <laughs> <laughs> Quarter velvet. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, good deal, man. I guess before we do jump off here, talk a little bit about your Ohio plans because I know you're you're putting a lot of merit into Ohio this year. So what's uh, what's the skinny on the Ohio stuff? Uh, I have a couple really big bucks on camera in Ohio that uh, should make some noise if I if I put a hole in one. Thank luck. Yep. Anything uh, showing I'm, pretty consistent right now still? Uh, the, the one that I want to kill that I'm going to try to kill this weekend, you know, this, this is just a whole nother topic, man. Oh my God. I feel like I could talk more about Ohio than I could PA and I live here. Oh jeez. <laughs> um, this buck is really consistent on uh, a certain wind and is really consistent on a red moon. Um, I basically took every single trail cam picture I had of them, wrote down the date went back through and wrote down what the wind direction was and what time he was there. And then just did process of elimination. I just went, you know, how many times was he here when an East wind, a West wind, a North wind, a South wind, you know, and he has been there when East wind the most, you circle that. And how many times was he there in the morning? How many times was he there in the afternoon? He's always there in the afternoon on an East wind. And with any luck, uh, there's supposed to be a storm blowing through this weekend again. And I'm hoping Friday night there's going to be an east wind. And the red moon's coming back around, uh, I think, Thursday or Friday, too. So that's that's the plan. Hell yeah, man. How about, I, how about we do this? You go down there, kill that deer this weekend. Make sure you call me. Next week we'll record a podcast talking about that story. <laughs> I like that <laughs> plan. <laughs> yeah. Good for you, man. Well, hey, I know this is like a quick like hour here. We're coming up on an hour and I hate to cut this off, but I got a I got an obligation here in a little bit that I got to actually run for. But dude, I greatly appreciate you doing this, and this one won't be the last. I can tell you this: like we'll we'll uh, we'll do another one for sure. Absolutely, man. Sounds good. Yeah, appreciate the uh, the opportunity. I just love uh, talking deer. Hell yeah, man. Well, good. I felt like a short hour. <laughs> I know it. Uh, Kind of tell everybody where, if they want to follow your endeavors and everything, where to where to follow you at, or you know, look at the pictures or video that you might be doing. Yeah, uh, mainly just be Instagram. It's uh, my Instagram handle is Unleash the Weast, as corny as that is. Um, but yeah, I, I'm uploading stories and uh, it's just about daily. Anytime I'm in the woods, I'm uploading stories, and then as I'm uh, finding good stuff to post on Instagram. I am. So keeping up with everything as much as I can. Awesome, man. Well, dude, good luck the rest of the year and make sure you stay in touch. I want to know, uh, when you knock that giant down there in Ohio. Yeah. Hopefully it'll be Friday night. I'll let you know. Hell yeah, dude. I, I expect to be getting a picture of a bush light and you, uh, sitting over top of them. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know about a bush light. <laughs> or are you like more of an, uh, what do you, what is all the Yinzers drink? What is the, what is the cheap beer over there? The one that's like, <laughs> I've only been to Pittsburgh once. So <laughs> that's as far as I, I've gone into PA. I think about the cheapest you can drink around here is Keystone. Okay. I gotcha. 
I'm more of like a Coors Light guy. I'm uh, simple. There you go. There you go. Well, I mean, Bush Light's about as simple as it gets, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, good deal, man. Good luck and uh, stay in touch. Sounds good, man. Appreciate it. All right, there you have it, Chris Wiest. Thank you com- for coming on, man. I greatly appreciate that. Guys, I'm just going to reiterate again. Helix Broad has Latitude Outdoors, Exodus Trail Camps, Vector Arrows, and Garmin bow sights and watches. Go check all them out. Support them. They support me. I support them. They're great people, great partners to have. And as always, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, leave a written review as well, and go to Spotify and leave me a five-star rating there. Thank you guys very much. We'll be right here next time on the Fall Podcast. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun, Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.